everybody. Welcome to the AWE Art Without Ego podcast. I am your host, Luchi, and this is the very first episode. We are just hanging out, and I say we, I mean me and my guy James here. What's up, everybody? And uh, this is my first ever podcast. This is my episode to a podcast, and this is the first ever podcast episode for AWE, Art Without Ego. So the whole concept of all this, we're just jumping right into it. We're just casually talking about art, what art means to us, and how it relates to our life in various ways. So James, first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, well... James, I uh, grew up in Massachusetts, here I love art, um, I love podcasts, so I'm really excited to be like the first guest, uh, I've been listening to podcasts, mainly the Joe Rogan Experience, for about 10 years now, and I've always wanted to do a podcast, but I've never found anybody that wanted to do one, so this is pretty cool, and it's it's kind of an honor to be the first uh, first ever guest on something, and I'd, I'd love to do more of them already, I think it's a great... Uh, I always grew up listening to talk radio, and I think it's a lost thing now. There's no good talk radio stations anymore, and podcasts are kind of like that new medium, so this is cool. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. And, you know, that radio voice, you, you've already got a few episodes coming anyway, so, you know, <laughs> we're good with that, man. Um, so, tell me, and, and just before I go any further, uh, whoever's listening to this, I'm not saying much about myself because, as I said at the top of this, this is Art Without Ego. I am the host. This is not about me. This is about whoever I am interviewing, and it is about the art. Because just like the group I have on Facebook, uh, you know, I say this right in the introduction to the group. At the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about the art. We will be long gone, but the art will still be here. And that's what this is about. So, James, uh, what type of art do you like? Uh, big music fan, uh, big writing fan. Uh, I think more so music in the in terms of like musical instruments. Uh, I'm a big fan of like Stevie Ray Vaughan and any sort of like art piece, like composition. Uh, Buckethead, big guitarist fan. It's for like classical art, like paintings and stuff. Uh, Anything. I'm man. a big Dali fan. I went to the Dali Museum down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, a few years ago, and that was a trip and a half. Uh, if anyone is any sort of fan of that style of art, that's like heaven on earth. There's some crazy, crazy stuff there. Yeah. You know how like you see, you see all these famous paintings, and you're like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think that they go to a famous art museum. You, you see a, a painting, you're like, I've seen that everywhere. But I went to that museum, and I was like, holy crap, there it is. <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've heard of that painting, and there it is. That guy actually made that. And that's what's fascinating, is the amount of effort and work that went into that. So where we're doing this podcast is kind of interesting. We're parked underneath of uh, the 93 South Expressway. And I, I park here for work, and there's paintings underneath of the highway so you have this like concrete basically jungle and I've been watching a guy do a, a mural towards the end of it and it's incredible I'm like how can someone with a, a spray paint can 
make someone's face with such definition down to like the wrinkles in the skin it's it's crazy and when you start thinking about like physical artwork and like sculptures and stuff like that that's when you really are like holy crap someone is much more talented than i am (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i would say that uh maybe in that category of art form you know because there's you know there's there's a open mic that i've to many, many times, beautiful open mic in Boston called Artist Life at mm-hmm. the Haley House Bakery Cafe. Beautiful place, wonderful group of people. And uh, the, you know, that's the whole concept is Artist Life. So I, I, it's one of the reasons I love that uh, venue so much is because that concept I think is lost with a lot of people is art really is life in every aspect you know if you look at how our physical existence is there's nothing about if you just look at all the details you know how the physical body works how chemistry and physics all that works you know there's so much to analyze the the human body itself is a work of art where like blood's flowing through veins and you think of like how how on earth someone made that something (laughs) who knows science whatever but yeah it's crazy and it's you know so in order to for people to understand this people go to school and study it and they people draw diagrams and they watch videos and they listen to hours and hours of language just describing it so there's various art forms just to explain our physical existence and you know when like you said when someone can just take a can of spray paint and give that much definition to a face yeah, that it's, it's, you know so it might be it's not off topic but uh, going further is do, do you think that people are able to learn art over time or do you think it's a gift that you're given like uh, I've always been fascinating seeing like my wife can draw really well mm-hmm. and she thinks she's like I, I can't draw for crap but seeing someone very like uh, almost effortlessly draw something or they think about uh, oh, I'm gonna draw this person's face and they can do it if I tried to draw someone's face, it would look like a stick figure drawing. <laughs> but do you think that people are able to like learn over time as a skill, or is that something that you're you're you, you, you luckily have been born with? Well, it's funny you said stick figure drawing because that's what I've described my drawing talents yeah. as for years, <laughs> um, and even those are uh, crooked. Um, I think it's a combination of both in a subtle way. I think that. You know, if you if you if you trace, I mean, I've I've had a lot of time on my hands to just research and trace back physical history. You know, from human beings to animals to the earth to the water, all the way back up to the cosmos, just out of boredom at sometimes. You know, and I think that the amount of memory that is in our DNA, there are those of us born with certain memories of ancestral talents. Yep combined with our current experience and what we're drawn to and then take on to be even more talented. Now what's your thoughts on abstract art? Because <laughs> what I do is abstract. Yeah. Now, uh, you see some things like uh, you ever been to the ICA down the seaport in Boston? I don't I don't no, think so, so but I, the, may, I don't think it's so. A, it's contemporary art. And you walk in and you're like, I don't understand. And that makes me think, like, am I not smart enough to get this? Mm-hmm. Or am I missing the point? 
Uh, oh. Anyways, I'm not trying to not trying to, to crap on uh, contemporary art because it's it's cool. It's it's much more creative than I can ever be. Well, no, it's um, I think it's I I've said this for a long time, especially when it comes to music, because I've I've always realized growing up that. I'm, I don't like every genre and decade of music the exact same, mm-hmm. but there are some that I like more than others, just for me personally. Yeah, are you also but able... Sorry to... Go no, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. I mean, are you also able to, like... You're able to appreciate all decades and artists. Like, I, I could... You know, everyone gives, like, uh, boy bands a hard time, but you look at it like, someone wrote those songs, not necessarily them, but you have a professional songwriter now. Is that art? Because this person, that's what they do all day, is they sit there and they're like, I'm going to write a top hit. Yeah. You know? You know? And, and that could, you know, that that's when you get into business and stuff like yeah, that as well. Which is anti-art. <laughs> In a lot of ways, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends on how good of a bullshitter you are. Yeah. But then that's an art form itself. Is, it is. <laughs> but I think um, contemporary and abstract art, you know, like I said, when I compare it to music... There are certain music... I appreciate the different forms of music for what they're meant to do. Mm-hmm. For instance, if I listen to, whether it's old school or even new school R&B, it's to relax, it's to set moods, it's to make you feel pretty good. You know, Unless it's a sad song, then it can make you feel extra sad. Um, if it's a song that's meant to make you think, then the lyrics or the certain tones in the song will likely conjure up some kind of thought process during you listening to it or even afterwards I'm not trying to have an essay question slash answer conversation in my mind when I listen to Lil John. yeah <laughs> you, know, it's yeah, like, you know it's like I he it's called literally it's called crunk music yeah it's not meant to be taken seriously right or, I mean it's it's meant to it's meant to were Working out. Have you ever looked up lyrics you know, to Little John? All kinds of stuff, huh? Just, have you ever looked up the lyrics to Little John? I have. Song? It's hilarious. I have. It's and the thing is, from the windows. They're, oh man, they're <laughs> they're not meant. They're meant for entertainment. Yeah, and pure entertainment. Exactly. Alone, but that's art. Is an entertainer. Look at Prince. I mean, oh, his songs geez. have great depth to them, but it's an art. Like he, he's the artist. Prince. Yes. I mean, it's two complete polar opposites. Little John and Prince, I don't think anyone's going to draw a correlation between the two, but... Get this, know. though. Yeah. Little John, I forget how many, but I think he has more than one degree. Really? College. Yeah, he's, I, he's actually extremely intelligent. Yeah, you know. Because they spoofed it in one of the Chappelle show skits when he was, when Dave Chappelle was impersonating uh-huh. him. And he would just, you know, he would, you know, do the, yeah, 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 you know, you know, what, what, okay, you know, throughout several times, but then randomly just go into a deep, long intellectual essay. Yeah. And then go back, you know, and that was the whole spoof is that everyone thinks he, that's all he sounds like, but if they knew what his brain actually consisted of, they would think of him in a whole different light. And he's, he's still making hits yeah. these days. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, is he I really? I have. I don't. I, I honestly don't think I've listened I don't to a remember John the, song in the past fifteen years. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I mean, I I grew up in uh, part of my life was in the rural South for yeah. a while, so it's like I heard him a lot when he came out in you know right in Atlanta. But he literally has. I don't remember the last 
chart topper he made, mm -hmm. but he's still producing music. And that's another thing about music nowadays. Most music now, unless it's pure mainstream on the television and everything, it's pure, it seems like it's all underground. Because it, everyone is doing their own thing. It's so sad. I mean, there's, uh, I think maybe in the past 10 years or so, like SoundCloud, uh, band camps, MySpace is like the origins of like finding bands from when I was like a teenager. But um, uh, music's definitely a lost medium for art. Like, you know, you remember getting like a cassette tape or uh, a CD and like looking through the booklet <laughs> yes. as you're listening to the album? You know, yes, reading the lyrics. Now, you, like, you, you type in, like, lyrics to such and such song, and you, you get them instantaneously. And, uh, I mean, it's really cool. Like, I love, you know, Spotify. Spotify is the king. You can find any artist you want. But there's a big lost piece to that. You know, like, uh, I don't know. I, it's cool that vinyls made a huge resurgence, but yes, I remember going as a kid got my license and every Thursday when I got paid I'd drive up to Strawberries in New Hampshire and there's an awesome record store Strawberries I think they're a little chain in New England and, uh, you could buy concert tickets there and then I remember just walking around and browsing everything A through Z and finding something and then you bring it home and you're like this is cool and then they used to do like little inserts you get stickers or some holographic stuff um Tool I love Tool they uh their last album, which came out like a year ago, they had like a like this just like hologram style thing that you play while you listen to it on their deluxe edition, and that's like they're a band that still exists that they're big into the the art aspect of the music, you know, lyrically, sonically, and then like also the packaging and everything, the little tiny details. I got way off topic, but you well, catch you catch the drift. No, that's not off topic at all. Um, you said you I heard you say you love Tool. Yeah. Why is it that you love Tool so much? Uh, I. They're like, so growing up, uh, I got big into classic rock. My, my parents, that's, they brought me my first concert effort was um, the Moody Blues. And then my dad showed me all of his classic rock, like Van Halen, ACDC, Led Zeppelin. I think your typical 13-year-old boy that's like, I want an electric guitar and grow my hair out. Um, but then I grew up a little bit, and then like I got into like the metal and hardcore scene. And Tool is like the thinking man's metal. I don't even know if you can classify them into one genre, but, like, I love Maynard. He's a weird dude. <laughs> Very fascinating guy. And, like, their songwriting and their structure is, is just... It's crazy. Uh, you know, talk about artwork. Their artwork is... Uh, it's it's probably some of the most recognizable artwork there is. Uh, Alex Gray's his name, I think. You know, the guy that makes all the crazy, trippy looking like the guy with the third eye and all that. You ever seen mm. those? You know what I'm talking I've, about? I've I've seen images like that, but I'm not sure if those are the ones yeah, you're talking I, about. I have a I have an Alex Alex Gray sweatshirt that uh, it, you wear it out in public. People are like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so I I play guitar as well, and uh, they're they're a fun band because time like time changes. They're a very difficult band to play their music because it's very intricate. Uh, and that in itself, obviously, when you relate it to art, like. That's a. I look at those albums as like one cohesive masterpiece. Like that's like they they worked on that piece for however long, and it's not just one song, but it's the entire the entirety of the record. Uh, there's a train going by, so hopefully you don't hear that in the background. But uh, <laughs> apologies, we are under a busy highway, kind of a weird spot, but also pretty interesting and pretty cool. I like the the mood it sets. Again, like you look around, there's you know 
based on that column, and then there's all sorts of artwork under there too. You know, sets the sets the tone, the mood, I guess, for art-related talk. Yeah, I I, th I appreciate you uh, picking this spot because it's a very fitting area. Yeah. For this kind of conversation, absolutely. Um, let's see. What is it? Okay, answer me this. Yeah. We, we've heard about what kind of art that you like. Tell me how you express yourself through art. How do I express myself through art? I don't know. That's a really tough question. I don't know if, like, I, I, I'm, I am not an artistic person, and I really wish I was. Like, the physical art, like painting, drawing, sculpting. You know, I always envy people that are very crafty with their hands. You know, people that build stuff building like cabinets and shit like that and you're like wow that looks great I'd buy that in a store I've always wanted to be that type of person um, I guess I express myself I'm a very introverted person so it's hard for me to get to do something like this too uh, and once I get going I start rambling 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 once I warm up uh, oh man how do I express myself because it's all internally I think all day like every other human being does mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I think every little minute detail in life, and, like, I question a lot of things. I guess maybe that's more so how I express myself, is questioning things. Uh, and I get myself into trouble with that, because I'll be like, well, why? Like, I still have that inner two-year-old where I'm like, well, why is this like that? And people are like, well, that's because that's the way it is. And I think, well, that shouldn't be the way it is. Have you ever thought about it like this? I guess that's a form of expression, you think? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But I mean... When I say express yourself through art, yeah, and and, and if this is if it, if you'd rather not share, please feel free to say that. No, no, as that's well. fine. Um, like for instance, and there's no, I, I I used to I taught some, I taught poetry to some kids a few years back, and uh, I would always leave them with this saying all the time, and I firmly believe this: there is no hierarchy in self-expression. It's pretty powerful. Um, and it just, it just and it wasn't even you know this isn't me putting myself over or anything it just came to me one day and it, it seemed fitting and it's I've always felt that way it was just the first time at that point that I felt I could articulate how I felt about that because like I said with the music earlier I've seen people and I, I referenced what the music I said earlier to point out that I've seen people who have visceral hatred for certain artists, mm -hmm. for certain things that they have produced, and in my mind, if you're playing around, it's like okay, I understand. But some people literally have hatred for certain artists. You know, like if you don't like copycats or something, that's one thing. But if you just you hate it so much well, that you can't, you just have to dog it every chance you get. I've never been that. See, I've I never understood that. I, I have no respect for people like that though, because. <laughs> Like, hatred is, like, the, especially in the modern times, the strange times we live in, like, hatred runs rampant. I think a lot of people need to step back and realize that, like, it's okay to be different. And if I don't like what you like, that doesn't mean we can't be friends. We have different opinions, different likes, and that's what makes being a human being so great. Because everybody is different, you know, and everyone's unique and interesting and all that. Um... I don't know. That's, I, I've never quite figured out 
what it is with people that be like, I refuse to listen to, I don't know, some stupid band. Like, I refuse to listen to the Backstreet Boys. I only like NSYNC. It's, you know, great, 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 uh, great comparison, but people are like that. You know, it's yeah. like, I love the Red Sox and I hate the Yankees. Why? Because of where you're from? That makes no sense. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of people, and and it's one of those things, I understand, like, a lot of people, when it comes to, whether it's sports teams or art forms, they're very, they can be very tribal to what they're, uh... uh so you I think it's you, the comfort because of what you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because if, because I know for some people, it's a question of, if you... And, and when it comes to having different opinions and likes and dislikes, there's a big difference between thinking, okay, this is my taste is for this, my taste is not for this. It's a totally different story if you're saying something like, okay, I think you deserve to have a better life just because of who you are compared to someone else. That's where, you know, you kind of lose me on, okay, we can all get along. It's mm -hmm. like, that's where we need to have a deeper conversation. But when it comes to just pure art form or just attachments to what people have for themselves, I've noticed that people can become very tribal for what they're familiar with. And I've been guilty of this myself in the past. That whatever I'm familiar with, that's what I've stuck to. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to something that is the unknown, because that's the most feared thing in the world, is the unknown. And so when you go down you, it takes a lot of bravery and courage for a lot of people just to say okay i'm going to listen to this without any judgment because a lot of people have preconceived notions oh, yeah, of totally. the genre the song itself the artist you know whatever from whatever background they come from well that's like uh you ever like you know people be like oh this band notoriously is terrible live and then you're like well i don't want to see them if people say they suck yeah <laughs> but then you go to see him, you're like, what is everyone talking about? Like, I've, I've seen Aerosmith a billion times, and people don't say they're a bad band. But I've, I've seen them in their later years, and Steven Tyler's got some mileage on him, and people being like, well, his voice isn't the same. You see him live, dude, that dude could still belt it out. And you go, and you're like, that's, you know, that's like a, a rock and roll icon. Yeah. And dude, 70 years old, still up there swinging it like crazy, you know? That's why, like, uh... It's, people's opinions are funny, especially when it comes to like art-based stuff. Now, changing subject a little bit, what are your what are your thoughts? You know, social media runs rampant. It's I don't know if it's the the greatest thing ever invented or the uh, the greatest evil man's ever known, but like, how do you feel social media has like affected arts? Do you think it's a good thing? It's a bad thing? Like, uh, what's what's your what's your take on it? Well, now you're getting to my philosophy. Um, I think everything in life has a balance. Mm -hmm. um, I think the pendulum swings both ways, and it just depends on where the which end of the pendulum is swinging at that particular time. Um, because I, there are great there are great advantages to having a social media platform to promote yourself, which I've done myself. I could, I admit, I could do better. It's almost unavoidable, <laughs> though, man. Like, you yeah, have, you have you know? to have some sort of social media presence nowadays. Well, I, it's funny. I've, I've been surprised when I've met people, and I'd say, what's your social media? And they're like, I don't have it. That's, and I, they're I, younger I, than me. I, I envy them. You know, I think like, you're going to see in a few years there's a huge kickback of people being like, no, nah, man, I have a flip phone now. I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> Seriously, you laugh, but I'm probably right. The yeah. funny, It's funny you say that. For years, I used to... I avoided getting a smartphone. Oh, yeah. 
no lie. Like for several years, I had four to five flip phones. Nice. And I would alternate when one would go down, take the battery out and change it to another one. <laughs> because flip out, it's <laughs> the, the same, same number. Out, all that. Yeah. yeah, you know, because it was, I knew it was cheaper for one. And for two, I knew the dependency I would have on the smartphone once it's, I got it. It's such a drug. It's crazy. <laughs> you know? Um, but I think social media, it has its great advantages and it has its uh, setbacks as well for human beings. It all depends on, you know, I always, one of my, one, something I always say to people is moderation, not exaggeration. That's a good one. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as long as we are at least trying consciously as human beings to bring some kind of balance to our life, whether it be art, social media, whatever it is in our life, as long as we're consciously giving effort for that, that's where I think we'll see the difference. But it's a lot of people are just, they're operating in autopilot mode because they're not even conscious of what they're doing or saying yeah. all the time. It's just everyone looking down at the, <laughs> at the little tiny screen, you know, screen time. I like the mantras he got, man. I gotta get more of those in my life. <laughs> I just, those I, are good though, dude. It, it's, it gives you values to live by. And I, you know, I, I have two kids and I'm married and like, I still feel like a kid, but like life goes by really quick where I'm like, sometimes you gotta like tap the brakes and like, I gotta put into perspective what's really important. And uh, it's good. You know, you've changed my mind a little bit, opened my, opened my mind a little bit on, <laughs> I should get some mantras. Those are important. Well, it's, it's funny because, like I said, you know, I've said this before, it wasn't even anything that I was attempting to do. These, I, you talked about thinking in your mind. I'm very much an introverted extrovert myself. Mm -hmm. So my mind never stops thinking, even when I'm calm. So uh, I've thought of many things. Some are, I would say, wonderful ideas, and some are not so wonderful ideas, so I don't share them. <laughs> um, but it's 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 healthy, I think, to be able to just daydream a little bit sometimes. Yeah, dude. Totally. Because a lot of people, they're up from the morning, and they don't shut down until they actually go to sleep, if they get any sleep. And for various reasons, people have in their life, that's their life, and they don't have time to even breathe, for many reasons. Yeah, you know what that's, I mean. Uh... I, I like to hope that the uh, the current events, you know, COVID and just crazy social tension will, like, kind of get people to want to live a simpler life. You know, maybe not watch as much TV, not as much Netflix as I have in the past five months of being stuck <laughs> at home. I mean, we're lucky we get to go to work every day, and, and yeah. that sounds weird because we just get thrown into an essential business, but... Uh, at least we get to, I guess, interact with more people than most people get to interact with. So that's cool. I mean, our lives really haven't changed too dramatically. Yeah, I I would have to say it's it's very interesting when I talk to certain people that I know in my life who have been on quarantine and haven't worked in a long time, and they they have all this extra time on their hands now, and I'm still going. Well, I gotta go to bed and get some sleep because I gotta work in the morning. Yeah, know? man, it's weird. But. You know, it's it's a very interesting thing too, um, and I think art. That's where I think art is a beautiful thing. I've I've always, because with me, when it comes to art, and this is why I created the group AWE on Facebook, was seven years ago, I think. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it's I because when I first moved to Boston, I saw that, you know, I was I was performing uh, in and out of the scene for a while, and most consistent thing I heard 
a lot of people say is no one supports each other, no one supports each other, no one supports each other. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know every single artist. I'm not going to pretend that I have that much free time in my day to promote every single artist I know all the time. But what I can say is that if I'm going through social media of mine and I see something that I know I'm able to promote and help someone for local artists, and not, not the mainstream ones, you know, it's like, oh, Cool J, he's already got his. He doesn't need help. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? You know, and amazing artist, amazing, and he deserves every bit of it. But I created the group literally to be, it's not the platform, it's simply a platform. You know, some people don't want to be a part of it for various reasons, no problem, no obligation. But if you're a local artist and you would like to be promoted, want to promote something that you do something an event that you're doing uh a show that you're putting on or even just to support other artists yeah use it as That's a channel basically to communicate within each other yeah and it, you know at, at first it was just me posting other people's stuff in there yeah and now to this day there are some people who still post their own stuff in there and that shows me at least seven years later that okay it's worth a little something at least because yeah. there are people who are still sharing in the group. Well, of course. And I appreciate the I appreciate the depth that art has because it's a form of expression that can only come from you. Yeah. On the inside. Yeah. You can mimic another artist and do what they do, but that's not what you do. No, exactly. A hundred percent. Even if you impersonate somebody. It's not them. Well, that's like, you know, uh, so, like, covers, for example, right? A cover mm -hmm. song? Yeah. You get Johnny Cash Hurt and Nine Inch Nails Hurt. Two completely different artworks. Yes. yes. That's probably the greatest cover of all time, in my opinion. It's got to be up there. But, like, that's not exact replication. Like, you got to wonder, like, who wrote the song better? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Now, uh, back to, the, like, your, your group and talking about the art scene and all that. So you've how long have you lived in the city for? I've lived in Boston for ten years. Now. Okay, so same here. Uh, I grew up around here, but I've lived in the city itself for ten years. So basically, my entire adult life, all my twenties. How do you feel the art scenes changed in the past ten years? Because when I first moved here, man, I was really big into like the underground, like punk scene, you know, zines and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if it's because I've gotten older or now I like have the stereotypical wife, two kids, or is it me or is like has the city changed a lot, where we've lost a little bit of the character and it's much more like sterile. Yeah, well, I think um, a lot of that has to do with. Uh, I mean, there's the thing about art and artists mm -hmm. is artists in general are very passionate people. And that's where the art comes from. It's a passion that they're expressing. Yeah. However subtle or extreme it may be. And so artists can be very sensitive. Yeah. As well. So you mix sensitivity with passion, that's going to go a million different possible directions, no matter what happens. So I've, and I've also, you know, add into, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of gentrification that's been going on. That's, that's a long history like, thing you know it's still happening today uh but combination of that um various things happening within circles uh people who used to be friends and are no longer friends you know 
clicks, some people are still clicks, some people are new clicks, old clicks, you know, it's just, just various things that happen that drive wedges between people when there wasn't before. And sometimes they reunite, sometimes they don't. And it's just, there's just so many different variables, you know, because like, again, we're talking about art. Yeah. Infinite possibilities for why this person doesn't go here anymore or that person doesn't come here anymore. I can tell you, I was in the poetry scene for a while, just the poetry scene, and part of the hip-hop scene as well. Not as much, but as poetry, but part of the hip-hop scene. And I dipped my toe into the comedy scene for a minute. And that was a whole new world of venues that I didn't even know existed. Oh, I'd yeah. already been in Boston for years. Dude, that's one of my dreams, man. I'd love to be a comedian. Uh, I just... I don't know how those guys can do it like the number of fucks they don't give <laughs> think about it literally part, part of my language but like you put yourself out there and like if you bomb dude and you that's like i would go home and think about that i'd be like oh my god these people might see me in public you know <laughs> yeah and and i can honestly say um i call myself a uh poet actor comedian uh slash pactor median mm -hmm. that's just my thing um but in that order you know i'm a poet first i'm an actor second comedian third um i tried a little bit of stand-up but i realized that that's not necessarily my forte mm -hmm. so i consider myself a comic but not to the highest extent you know there are there are aspects of comedy that I can partake in, but not necessarily stand up. Yeah. I mean, if if I do get to that point, it's definitely not right now, uh, because I've like I said, I've I think I've done much better at mimicking and impersonating people rather than actually doing my own stuff. Because I know the work it took for me just to find my voice within the Boston poetry community. Yeah. In poetry. This is a tough city, man. And that took man. years. Yeah. And I've been writing since I was twelve, and I didn't take it seriously until I moved here, which was ten years ago. So, you know, I'm just, in the past few years, have found my true voice in poetry. To start from scratch with comedy, that, that, will, that would take some work. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I understand that. So, at this point, you know, it's still that order, poetry, acting, comedy. But I can tell you, man, if that's something that you're interested in doing, and if, if you really, because I heard it in your voice just now, you're, that's something that you really would like to do. Oh, yeah, that's it. And not even just to like be like, ha ha, look at me, I made people laugh. It's like, yeah, I, I've, I've loved comedy since I was a kid. I remember my dad playing me George Carlin when I was way too young to be hearing George Carlin. <laughs> Did you want to say the seven dirty words? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and to this day, like, uh, comedy is definitely an art. And, like, Boston's got a great, it, I don't know now, but the, the comedy scene back in the day was, like, one of the best in the countries. Yeah. Or in the country, not countries. Um, maybe I'll look into that. I gotta. I just gotta break my break my 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 tough exterior into that nougat center. I I'm, I'm gonna name drop right now just because I know the guy personally. Uh, Joe Flynn. Joe Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he's a. I, I can't remember for sure if he's from Boston, but I know that I used to go to a mic open mic called Grab the Mic Thursdays. Yeah. Joe Flynn, it was it was an open mic where it was comedy, you know, whatever you expressed in art, you could do. If you were a comic, you could do comedy. If you 
sung, you sung. If you rapped, you rapped. If you did poetry, you did poetry. He was a comic. He was the one that made me think I could even try comedy. Yeah. Because this was a man, um, I, I don't remember his age, and I don't, Uncle Joe, I don't want to call you older than you actually are. <laughs> um, but I believe he was in his 40s, if not 50s. When he started at that, comedy? At, at that point in time. Yeah. And, you know, he was married, and a family and everything, and he, we would come all the time, and he was, he was funny. And I remember that, I, I don't remember how many years ago, but I've seen him here and there. He's still been getting booked at places well, the last time I know him. And that's the thing, too, is, like, uh, if there's, like, a, a really good, like, 18-year-old com- comedian, well, they've had some great life experiences. So, uh, like, yeah. Joey, Joey Diaz is a great comedian I love. And he didn't get into comedy until he was much older, too. Okay. So I, I feel like with comedy, uh, life experience is definitely one of those things that you have to have. That helps your your acts. That helps your art. And it's like yeah, any sort of art form. If uh, you're, you know, the, the song you write could look at the great breakup songs. Yeah. You know. Oh. <laughs> that's so many. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, I can tell you right now. You're talking about uh, like another example. Who, a famous comedian who started late. Louis Black. Yeah. I didn't even know that, but he started out as a theater director. Yeah. And he literally started doing stand up to get the people in the room to see the show. That's, I, I didn't know that. That's crazy. I knew he started late, but I didn't know that's like how yeah, he because went about it. Th- th- this is the funny part. As angry as he is in general, he was even angrier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but people said, no, if he said literally people, because I have his biography on DVD, and he said people were telling him, you know, if he tore it down, not too much, but just a little bit, and you know, you put a little bit more of yourself in there, and no, and not just be full of nothing but rage, and just you know, allow yourself to be yourself on stage. And that's the best artists and the most notable, uh, the most notable artists in our time, are the ones who were their most authentic self. Yeah. You know, it's a uh, kind of going back to social media. A, a cool thing about like comedy and stuff like that is like all these like. It's like Instagram famous comedians who put up these 15 second long videos and they're they're hilarious and like Jay Versace you right you off the bat right, Jay Versace if you don't know him you need to look him up I, I want to look him up after this he's been in Sprite commercials he's still making them he's been doing this since he was a, a, either a teenager or a preteen okay and how have I not heard of this guy I probably dude, have I just don't oh know man, he he's, he's so amazing but, yeah, but like uh, dude like the funniest kid on the face of the planet could be living in the middle of nowhere Missouri and make a make an Instagram <laughs> video and it goes viral and like nobody would know about that kid so I guess that's one of the good things that social media has brought to the world it's like exposure mm-hmm. and like how viral things can go good or, good or bad but um that's uh, like YouTube is another example like it's it's good it's good media platforms for people that otherwise any kid can get a microphone I mean record on an iPhone and put a podcast out for millions of people to listen to it's possible you know yeah um anyways we're talking about art you you want to get into wrestling or you want to keep oh yeah i was i was i was thinking about that uh but i didn't want to you know just press it on no no no, no. i feel you Um, yeah so whoever's listening to this if you don't know me personally (laughs) or even on my social media because i've definitely shared them a lot i am an avid wrestling fan um 
No, I don't know everything. I'm not Dave Meltzer and I'm not Jim Cornette. But um, I've been heavy into wrestling since I was about 12 years old. So much, of course, that I almost became a professional wrestler, and so that's why I'm into wrestling so much. I know a pro wrestler, uh, John Cena, believe it or not. You know him in person? He, okay, he grew up. I did not know that. So he's from the town next to where I grew up. I grew up in Groville, Massachusetts. He's from West Newbury, Massachusetts. Uh, Wait, what was the name of your town? Groveland is where I grew up. Groveland? Yeah, it's about 45 minutes north of Austin. Very small, sleepy town, very boring, nothing to do. Um, (laughs) He grew up in West Newbury. Uh, He's older than I am, but uh, my mom and his mom worked together at one point in time. Uh, Fun story is I have a friend who her parents own a farm, and they sold a parcel of land to John Cena, and he built a house. Uh, I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but uh, we, we partied in the foundation of that house. So that was a good time, wow. way back, way back in the day. He's got a beautiful house on their farm. How uh, old were you when that happened? I think I was like 20 years old, 20, <laughs> 21. So I'm like, oh, it's John Cena's house. How cool! Was he there? No, I mean it was just the fa- literally just the concrete foundation of the ho- like the mansion he was building. Uh, so I went to Pentucket High School. Uh, he went to a private school, and I remember waiting. We had this long road, right? All the buses would wait on it, and we'd walk up to our buses and wait in line to get on. And I remember it was like the first day, I think I was in seventh grade, and John Cena is riding a scooter up the street and just waving everybody. And like, he was a nobody then. This riding is, a scooter. This I is, love that. This is, I think, 2000 or 2001, so this is before he broke out. <laughs> but yeah, he was riding a little, like, those were big back in the day, a little gas power, they had a little weed whacker motor on, wing. You remember those? No? Yeah, I do. And he was riding one of those around. And now I think about it, I'm like, that's one of the most prolific wrestlers of all time. (laughs) I'm I'm still stuck on he was on a scooter. Yeah. Because he was was a bodybuilder around that time. He's a big boy, man. So I'm just, you know, if if this part of, if this clip specifically gets put on YouTube, whoever puts this out, you have to make this as John Cena on a scooter waving at people. <laughs> His brothers are also big boys, too. They all, I remember going to basketball games in my high school, and they'd be in the stands, and you're like, holy crap, that's a, a big guy. I think wow. one of them's a cop now, too. That's, um, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, now, uh, what, is, what is your so, connection to wrestling? So, I, I, I grew up uh, a wrestling fan when I got a little bit older, but uh, the first wrestling thing I ever remember was laying on the couch with my dad and I was watching a Hulk Hogan match. This is early, early 90s, probably 92, 93. So I was like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents went to a WrestleMania in Boston and uh, I think my mom was pregnant with my sister. So this is 86, 85. And uh, driving home, my dad's car caught on fire after WrestleMania. So it might wow. not have been WrestleMania. If I'm wrong, don't kill me. I was going to say, because I can tell you where each of the WrestleManias were, (laughs) uh, but Boston definitely was 14. That was the first one. Okay. So it was a different WrestleMania. But it was in in the mid-80s, you said? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was 84, 85. Now, could they have gone to New York? No, no, it was definitely Boston. I don't think, it might not have been a WrestleMania. Okay. It was definitely some sort of WWF event. Okay. Um, But my my first main memories, uh, I remember my parents, like, hated pro wrestling. They hated anything, like, South Park, stuff like that. So I remember being real little. And we had this old Toshiba television in the, 
the back room of my house, and I, you know, a little turn dial to turn it on, and I keep the volume down so low, and I put my ear, and I'd listen, <laughs> and I'd look, and I'd listen, and I'd look, and I'd listen, and uh, Monday Night Raw was I remember watching those like religiously, and I, I, I'd have to like pretend like I'd hear someone get up in the middle of the night because my room that I'd watched in. There's a little hallway, and it was my parents were in the bathroom. So I'd hear someone get up and be like, oh, crap. I'm, like, I'm asleep. I'm not watching this. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I've never seen a live pro wrestling event, which is something I feel like I've messed up on in life. Oh, you ever been? You've been to a WWE event, right? I've, I've been to a good handful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, one, one thing I appreciate about is wrestling, and I think it's so cool, is uh, number one, I... If I tried to do it, I'd probably break my neck. But number two is, like, the theatrics behind all of it. Yes. You know, um, it's almost like watching a, like a, like a, like a, a ballerina. You know, you got these two dudes or girls or whoever in the ring. And they're doing, like, a dance. And it's not really choreographed. Loosely, they got an idea what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not planned move for move. They have an idea of, you know. Well, some of them do. It just depends on who's out there. Yeah. You know, like some of them can call it in the ring, mm-hmm. um, and some of them, you know, for better or for worse, they'll call every spot, you know, beforehand. Like for instance, uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. That's why the, the big rivalry between him and Macho Man. The big reason, the biggest reason why they work so good in the ring together is because they both choreographed every single spot. I remember, I think it was a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat interview that I listened to a long time ago, because I listen to wrestling podcasts all the time, mm-hmm. which kind of what inspired me to do this one. <laughs> and, um, you know, shout out to Connor Matt Thompson, you know, because, you know, you're the man for what you do for wrestling podcast. I appreciate it. Um, but I think, if I remember right, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat if it wasn't him, it was someone else. But they said that Macho Man was known for uh, pointing out every single spot of every single match. Now, because that was actually an issue between, say, Chris Jericho and RBD, Rob mm-hmm. Van Dam. Because Rob Van Dam said that he was pissed at Jericho because uh, RBD was trained by. Sabu, it was either his this is bad um, he was he was trained by the original Sheik yep. not the Iron Sheik, but the original, the original Sheik, Sheik who yeah. was related to Sabu and he taught them to wrestle in a style that you wouldn't have to choreograph all the moves even if you wanted to but Jericho was wanting to choreograph the moves so it was, a, it was kind of a an off screen not necessarily feud, but kind of underlying tension between a little them. bit of a disagreement yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so imagine going out there you're getting you're giving your body on the line to someone that you don't know if they're gonna do business or not and I'm not saying that that was the case between RVD and Jericho but that's a reality but it, it is 100% between all and that's like a, that's another thing that like you know if you, if you if you get too sucked into the art form you start driving yourself crazy and you guys have a disagreement with one another and you're going into a ring like about it repeating the crap out of each other yeah you know like you could seriously hurt someone if you're not if, if you if you're not careful uh, obviously but um, 
like back to like the whole dance thing. Like, uh, I, I read an article. I forget who it was. I think it was Raven talking about how wrestling as an art form is like a ballet. Mm-hmm. How like if 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 you know if you were to watch a, a, a wrestling match that was completely choreographed down to every single minute gesture, it would feel a little odd. But when you're watching a ballet, that's supposed to be choreographed. And I, I think as a kid growing up watching wrestling, what I loved about it so much is that, like, I I believed in wrestling being, like, so... Like, these guys were, like, the, the stories, like, these were real people. Like, you see Kane. I remember being scared of Kane and The Undertaker. Oh, being like, yeah. Oh, my God, these guys are, like, the, the Satan incarnate themselves, you know? <laughs> but that's... They're... they're, they're their characters coming across the right way by, by feeling that way and uh, as a kid like I, I you know you, you secretly you wouldn't want one of them to win a match even though I did because you're like well that's they're scary and they're bad and you want the good guy to win mm-hmm. um, who's like your least favorite good guy in wrestling of all time least favorite good guy um well, it's, it's hard to say because so many of them have turned back and forth yeah. so many times. Um, I, don't, that, that, I don't know. I guess that's where it comes back to, uh, let's see, because that's where it comes back to the music thing. Yeah. It's like, I've never not cared. I mean, I've either liked you a lot or I just didn't. So it's one of those things. Okay. Yeah, um, that's respectable. But uh, I'd say, one. I, I'll say this, one of the most underrated good guys there you go that's a good one um as talented as he is uh, some people say he was dry but I think Dean Malenko mm-hmm. was very underrated um yeah because and because Dean Malenko his he's you know he was I believe his father, uh, I'm trying, I'm looking up right now, because I don't remember off the top of my head who Dean Malenko's father was, but he was literally one of the most talented technical wrestlers, and that's a whole genre in itself, technical wrestling. Yeah. You can be Hulk Hogan, or you can be Dean Malenko, or Eddie Guerrero, or Bret Hart, you know, those types of things. Because yeah, he's he's one of those guys that he's so good that he's signed with AEW All Elite Wrestling right now as someone who's helping people put matches together because he's he's just that good and his whole um, gimmick in WCW was the Iceman yeah and his whole thing was you know cold as ice he didn't say anything when he did it was like short and stern and. You know, it was very underrated, I think. You know, he was presented well, but I just think that people... I don't th- I don't think he was appreciated in his time, you know. And I've heard Tony Schiavone say similar things to that. Well, let's see, do you, do you, do you feel like there'd be wrestlers that... that uh, they would have done better in other eras than others? Like, if, say, you, you, say you take The Rock and you, you have him just coming out, 
brand new on the scene today, you think it'd be as successful, or like, do you think it has to do with like the the time period? Uh, like all of them, or which one? I just, I'm just saying in in general. Like, do you, do you think like uh, uh, I don't know where I'm going with it. That that someone could be successful. Like, say like a, you're talking underrated, right? Mm-hmm. If you took them from one generation or one era and put them into a different era, mm. do you think there's a lot of guys that like suffer from that or? what I think some guys could I think some guys could do better in just as good if not better in other areas in other eras but I think some also were very specific for their era Uh, for instance Stone Cold oh yeah would not have been allowed on TV before his time (laughs) Um, you know Hogan Hulk Hogan was where he was in the 80s, and he was right there, you know, the all-American type of guy. And Stone Cold, I think, took that torch and not just ran with it, but exploded with it. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a big debate, actually, between who actually made more money for the business as a whole. And say Stone Hogan Cold. Or Stone Cold I, and and that's, some, that's like an entire different episode you can get into. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you I know? mean? Like, Stone Cold Man is like, you want to talk about a brand. That's, everyone knows, like, Stone Cold, you're talking about the Budweiser's. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he still got his own show. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he, was one of, he was one of the first to have his wrestling podcast, if I remember right. Now, I got into wrestling, I was probably, like, when I seriously got into watching wrestling and I didn't give a crap if my parents knew I was watching it or not, I was like, 13, 14. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't allowed to have TV in my room growing mm-hmm. up. So when I finally got one, I'm like, Mom, I'm going to start watching this. Uh, Hogan came back in like the mid 2000s, right? Like 2002. 2002. Yes. So that's like around when I, I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being like, oh my God, it's Hogan. Yeah. And it was so cool. Yeah, you know, and there, there was still like I remember. I, I can't remember a particular match, but like, to me, I don't know if it's just nostalgia for being younger or what. But like, if I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I don't really watch much wrestling nowadays, so I'm not like sure of like major players or anything. But back then, I think of it almost like Major League Baseball, a sport I loved, right? I fell out of it. I think back to the players of, like, the 90s and 2000s. I'm like, man, there's no one like that nowadays. Like, in the early 2000s and, like, late 90s and mid-2000s, did, did some of the guys that were around in wrestling, like, I look at them, I'm like, oh, man, there were so many awesome people. Yeah. You know? A lot of Hall of Fame uh, talent. Dude, like, it's a crazy era. I remember, like, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, uh, the Dudley Boys are probably all-time favorite um, and then there was like so many really good matches I remember too like I always wanted to watch like a SummerSlam or a pay-per-view and I would just sit there and watch them scramble I'm like oh I think I can see what's going on <laughs> I did I'm not lying swear to God dude <laughs> you know what was your experience with watching it watching it uh, would watch for like 10 minutes and be like I can't I can't see any of this. I have to wait for the recap next week mm. when they would show like little snippets of the matches. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was also like pre like internet ruling everything, so like you can't like go on and be like, oh wow, that person won the match. You have to wait till the next week to find out. 
That's another thing too. Like this, the the writing back in like the the two thousands was so good. Where like uh, again, it probably is still awesome, but the the, the writing back then, like the storylines, you get so invested into them. Yeah. You know. Um, you sent me recently like a, a, a top ten like Stone Cold Steve Austin moments. Yeah. Now mind <laughs> you, that's the WWE version of the top ten. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's the first one I could find. <laughs> Watching, watching those are so funny. Like when Stone Cold fills the boss's car with cement, it's hilarious. You know, you want to talk about like a, a theatrical, artistic genius, Vince McMahon himself. Yeah. You know, look what he created. Well, the thing about it, you know, you talk about the writing. The beautiful thing about the writing is the the writing alone has evolved over time. Yeah. Now I can't speak. Well, all elite wrestling. What separates that from WWE? formerly known as WWF, is uh, AEW, the writing comes from the actual talent, the wrestlers themselves. Yeah, they come up with and, the storylines. Right, and the people who are backstage working with them. That's where it comes from. Vince McMahon, when he started out, you know, in the original WrestleManias, uh, I don't remember, I think maybe up until the mid-90s, he, it was only him and Pat Patterson. See, that's insane. That, that was it. That's crazy. They would meet up at his house, and they would write TV for the next day. So cool. Or, you know, that's the live so shows cool. coming up. Yeah. You know? And it just evolved. It snowballed over time because the thing is, as the company got bigger, he eventually felt like he needed to have more input. Yeah. And now there's a whole team of nothing but writers. Yeah. That do things. Yeah. Now he still has to get the stamp of approval oh, for everything. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's totally different, and I think that's where a lot of the, that's where a lot of the simplicity, is missing, mm -hmm. and that's why a lot of people are more turned on to AEW now rather than the WWE. Uh, oh, and by the way, I didn't forget about this, Boris Malenko. I'm not going to let that go away because that's disrespectful. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, Boris Malenko. That was Dean Malenko's father. But, uh, yeah, Vince and the company, they became so big, and it's so huge now. You know, the fact that AEW even exists, and it's on TNT. Yeah, I gotta check that out, man. That's... Bro, Jericho... Remember is... you telling me that recently? Yeah, yeah Chris yeah. Jericho is one of the head champions right now. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, I don't know if he lost it recently or not, but he's been their top guy for a while now. Because he calls himself the champion. <laughs> He'll just that's a, he and that's the thing. He's one of those he constantly reinvents himself. Yeah. That, to me, that's the art form 100%. that I see is that as a performer, as an entertainer, he's able to just say something and it goes viral. Well, that too. Like if you're talking about reinventing yourself, like uh, if if you have like a good character, like I talk about Val Venus, like that gets played out over time. Yeah. But Mick Foley, right? All of his different characters. You know, that's like you talk about keeping it fresh and reinventing yourself. If you want if you want the modern a lot of people call him the modern Mick Foley. Oh yeah. Combination of Mick Foley and Undertaker. You need to look up Bray Wyatt. Okay. Because he's got one his original gimmick was um he originally was an NXT. And I'm Googling now what his original uh, name was. 
but he came out as Bray Wyatt and he had the Wyatt family which was basically a swampland quote-unquote inbred type of family mm-hmm. where you know he was he literally got his wardrobe and promos inspired by Robert De Niro from Cape Fear. Oh, no way. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so imagine that yeah. in a wrestler. Yeah, that's... that's. You know what I mean? You ever... I, I've wondered, like, how uh, uh, a famous actor would turn out if they ever got into pro wrestling. be interesting to see. Um... I think there was. I know there's The Miz, but he was like a TV guy. <laughs> that's MTV, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely been celebrities. That's, yeah, That's yeah, been a big yeah. thing for WWE for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Is event, at first, it was them going to celebrities. Now, it's a mixture. Sometimes the celebrities go to them. Uh, but Bray Wyatt, he, he's, he came out as Bray Wyatt. Then, he started having these different promos and he's still Bray Wyatt but he's like a creepy Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt oh terrifying okay yeah like same guy yeah okay and then he has a third character called The Fiend okay which it (laughs) almost Beetlejuice inspired but creepier Nice, if that's possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that's a guy, same guy. You and got? You got? A, is that? Is that him right there? Um, yeah, I'm looking up his original uh, NXT name because it deserves to be mentioned. Uh, anyways, why I'm looking that up? Yeah, he's because that's what uh, I heard Bruce Pritchard talk about this in his podcast. And he said that that's what made McFoley so legendary is that they could get the same, if not more, type of action, revenue, and entertainment from different characters, but paying the same amount of money, the same guy. And when you've got that much of an investment in people, it's incredible. Husky Harris, that's what he was in NXT. Let me see what, I don't even know what he looks like. Let me, uh, so that's his picture right there. Oh, okay, yeah. Now that's him originally as Bray Wyatt, the Swamp Guy. That was three years ago. Now now let me find you. See see the wardrobe? <laughs> that's total cape fear. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. Now let me show you. Uh, see, that was Husky Harris. Yeah. You know, he was still finding himself there. I could already see. I saw. Oh Jesus! So this is, this is his Mister Rogers look. That's terrifying. Okay, because you've already seen the other yeah. guy. Jesus just got giant traps. <laughs> and this is the fiend. Give it one second. I'll pull up. Well, that's absolutely horrifying. That's like it's like the Candyman, uh, uh, Sweet Tooth from like Twisted Metal, and Beetlejuice <laughs> with dreads. Yeah, yeah, that's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. And that's, that's a, it's a, that's an artist who is a master of their craft. Yeah. Being able to reinvent, but also grow their character and not do it in a way where you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, dude, like, it's, 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 that's enough. <laughs> like, go back to what you used to be doing. 
And you know you're over with the fans when you're a bad guy and they're cheering you. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially nowadays. Cause, yeah. You know, because that's what, that's what got Stone Cold over. Yeah. People were booing Hogan when he went to WCW because they were tired of the same old stick. Some people, some kids were cheering him, but a lot of people were really booing him. Sorry for any peeps. There's a... There's, a, there's, a, there's like a giant freight train going by. Hey, you know, we're in a car. Yeah. Remember, there's no ego here. Yeah, it's Nothing. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all good. It's all good, man. How you feeling? Good, man. Good, good. Getting a little tired. Yeah. Good. I, uh, you know, I, I we're going to completely go off topic, but dude, like, uh, I, I, I like the whole, the, the whole concept you got at your podcast so far, man. Like, it, it's a really cool. I dig it. It's, uh, I'm a big person that overthinks things, and going into it, I'm like, well, like, you know, top three wrestlers, what the hell am I going to say? And the best part about stuff like this is that, like, uh, it all flows organically, mm -hmm. you know? Like, we work together, but, like, we're talking as two people right now, and, like, yeah. none of this is, feels forced. No. You know, it's, it's really cool. That's, like, uh, I'm glad this is a really great experience, because this is uh, something I've always wanted to do to like do a podcast episode and the crazy thing too is like an hour's already gone by yeah you know and, and we're just talking man yeah I listen to the the Rogan podcast I'm like <laughs> three and a half hours that's insane yo it's like really that, there's that much talking yeah but like I could see like doing it now like like look down and watch like holy crap like the sun went down five hours ago what happened <laughs> um so like more about wrestling so um to you, like, what, 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 what about wrestling to you is like the, the the biggest art piece to it? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you see? Is it like the the, the characters that people do, like the unique things about them, like the, the finishing moves, the storylines? Like, what what is it to you that draws you to wrestling so much? Well, as I've, an art, as an artist. Yeah, um, I think with me. Uh, the, the depth of it comes from the combination of skills you need to have. Yeah. Even if you don't become completely successful, to become efficient mm -hmm. as a wrestler. You, uh, Eye-hand coordination with your athleticism. Uh, being able to act, maybe not necessarily in Hollywood levels, but... Enough. In, enough of a level it, to where, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. you have to be believable, you know. Um, Brett the Hitman Hart, I think, portrayed the best picture for me possible uh, in the documentary uh, Brett the Hitman Hart Wrestling with Shadows. And he said, you know, it showed him in a match with mankind. And he said, look at all my punches. They all connect. But it looks like I'm actually beating him up. And he said, and he said the art, and I think he said the best. The art form in wrestling is that when you can actually make it at least look like Believe you are beating the holy hell out of each other, but neither one of the people got seriously hurt. Isn't it a wrestling itself? Pro wrestling is such a fascinating concept. Yeah, when you really think about it, and you got music as an entrance. Yeah, you know that says everything. Totally does. It's, it's the, the it's the introduction, literally. To oh, it's like Stone Cold with the glass breaking. It's like, oh shit, here he comes. You can look at old show. Uh, you can look at old crowds, and as soon as that glass breaks, 
the entire stadium rises to their feet yeah. because they're like, yes. Yeah, I've been waiting for this. I hope this would happen. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it's so, I just, I think it's, and I'm at a point now, it's funny. I used to be one of those wrestling fans that wouldn't talk about it all the time uh -huh. because it was still shunned upon on a large level. It's so huge now that AEW exists. Yeah. AEW only exists because of the hardcore wrestling fans. Yeah. And it's you know it's just a beautiful thing. Well, that's and like I, I, I like I said earlier about the whole nostalgia era of like uh, I think that a uh, a lot of people they're nostalgic for things from not when they were younger but like oh it was better in that in, in my day like growing up like I said like in the early two thousands you said there was a lot of Hall of Famers like that to me like then yeah. <laughs> The nostalgia aspect of things definitely, like, I don't know if it gives you a bias or not, but I see what you're saying with, like, hardcore wrestling fans. I'm like, that's why it exists. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen WrestleManias, and they sh they always make sure to show this every year, WrestleMania. They always show the fans that came from other countries. Yeah. Just for the WrestleMania That's experience. so cool. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. You know. That's the Super Bowl of wrestling. Yeah. That's what it is. You know. <laughs>